This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents novelist John Updike reading from his story, Fanning Island. In this brief excerpt, Updike speculates about the lives of Pacific Islanders stranded permanently on a tropical island. Here is a simple story, a story of life stripped of the progenitive illusion, perfected out of history, the slam of a door in an empty house. Let us imagine, Pascal invites us, a number of men in chains and all condemned to death. Fanning Island is an isolated Pacific island near the equator. It now supports a relay station for the transoceanic telegraph. When Captain Fanning discovered it, it was uninhabited, but bore signs of habitation, a rectangular foundation of coral blocks, a basalt adze, some bone fish hooks, a few raised graves containing grilled porpoise teeth and human bones. All these things were old. Understand that the Polynesian islands were populated accidentally, as seed in nature is sown. On the wide waste of ocean, many canoes and prows were blown astray. Short planned voyages were hazardous and extended navigation impossible. Some drifted to other populated islands, and thorns there swallowed them. Some starved on the barren ground of the Pacific. Some fell southward into Antarctic ice. Some washed up on atolls with only the rats in the canoes still alive. A few, a very few, nature with her mountain of time plays a spendthrift game, survived to reach an uninhabited but inhabitable island. When the company of survivors included a fertile woman, population took place. The souls shed by one nation became the seeds of another. No return was possible. The stars are a far weaker guide than armchair theorists believe. Accident, here as elsewhere, is the generating agency beneath the seemingly achieved surface of things. What must have happened is this. A company of men in a large canoe, sailing among the Marquesas, were blown away. Eventually, they were cast up on Fanning Island. They built a house, fished, and lived. No women were among them, so their numbers could only diminish. The youngest among them may have lived for fifty years. The bones of this man, whom no one remained to bury, moldered away and vanished. No sign of disaster is found to explain the disappearance of the men. None is needed. We came from Hiva Oa and carried pigs and messages for Nukahiva below the horizon. My father was chief. The taboo was strong and we carried no women in the prow. The wind dropped and returned from another quarter. The sea grew too smooth and lustrous like the inside of a coconut. The southern sky merged with the sea. In the storm there were lost many pigs and an old man who had seen Nukuhiva as a boy. When the sky cleared it was night and the stars were scrambled. At dawn the horizon all around us was unbroken. We strained to see when the great waves lifted us high. 
We sang to the sun and slept in the shade of the bodies of the wakeful. The storm had torn away the hut. The cowards infected us, but the singing gave me comfort, and my father's presence sheltered me. He was the tallest and bravest, yet was among those first to yield up life. We devoured his body. His strength passed into me, though I was young. I long felt the island approaching. It gave the men hope and gaiety to touch me. The island first seemed a cloud, but Marhale saw birds. Our sails were gone, and we paddled with hands that had lost shape. Our skin shredded in the water. Our throats had become stuck. We were silent. Two days and a night it took us to reach the island. At the second dawn, its arms were reaching for us. We saw green bush and coconut palms above the rock. Before our strengths were fully revived, Karnunu and I fought. Though he had been a man feared in the village, I won and killed him, grieving. We took thought to shelter. We built a house of stone, carving the soft rock like ash with our axes. We harvested fruit and fish and learned to make tapa from the strange bark. We buried our dead. We carved a god from the log of the prow. We made women of each other. I was the youngest. I gave myself to those men whom I desired, the best-natured. It was not always the old who died. Demons of apathy seized Mahivi the clown and Korikori who attended the god. The horizon seemed always about to speak to us. For what had we been brought here? We lived, and though we saw the others turn cold, and the jaws sink and the body turn stiff and light like a child's canoe, those who remained were not sure that they would die. We buried them with the amulets we brought from the village. Now I am the last. I buried Marheo, the three-fingered, a season ago, and at night he speaks to me. This is the outline, but it would be the days, the evocation of the days, the green days, the tasks, the grass, the weather, the shades of sea and air, just as a piece of turf torn from a meadow becomes a gloria when drawn by Durer. Details. The tails are the giant's fingers. He seizes the stick and strips the bark and shows, burning beneath, the moist white wood of joy. For I thought that this story, fully told, would become, without my willing it, a happy story, a story full of joy. Had my powers been greater, we would know. As it is, you, like me, must take it on faith. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of Harper Collins Publishers Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, 
please call 1-800-SEA-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by Harper Collins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanets.